Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Welcome, listeners. Today, I'm with Dr. Logan Sparks. Dr. Logan Sparks is a scholar and healer who has spent much of his life traveling and conducting research on ritual and traditional healing. He has apprenticed with curanderas and Sufi healers and has met with medicine people in Africa, the Middle East, and the Americas. He is also a family constellations facilitator. Logan's healing work focuses on rekindling a sense of connection where there has been disconnection and the flow of love where it has been blocked using all the rich tools at his disposal. He is currently a researcher in the psychology of communication program at the Universitat Autonoma de Barcelona, holds a doctorate from the Department of Culture Studies at Tilburg University in the Netherlands, and has a master's in religion from the University of London School of Oriental and African Studies. Welcome, Logan. Welcome all the way from Barcelona. So nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you too. Thanks for having me. So in this first segment, you have a, a really interesting backstory. And for our first session, I'm gonna ask you to take us along on this journey with Dr. Logan Sparks and take us through what took you from earlier interests to being a healer and to teaching and doing all the research work that you've come to do. Yeah, great. Thanks for, thanks for opening up that topic and um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind for me to talk about, because I'm somebody that works a lot with people on healing their relationship to family and ancestry, is that, you know, I, I come from ancestors and family who were interested in these things. Um, so really starting from even before I was born, I guess, is where I'd start from. Um, I, I actually, my, my maternal grandmother was a, a child behavioral specialist. She was a psychologist. Um, and there also were a couple of psychologists in my, my extended family on my dad's side. Um, and at the same time, I also had, I spent a lot of time with my, my parent, my, my dad's parents, my paternal grandparents growing up. And they were people that were just exceptionally close to nature. And this was in the deep South. Um, you know, traditional territory for the Chickasaw, um, Cherokee, and Choctaw peoples in Alabama. And um, my, my grandmother was a person of, of indigenous ancestry, um, a mix, most likely, of a couple of those tribes. Uh, Ch definitely Ch Choctaw and Chickasaw, for sure. And so um, I was... Um, raised part of the time by them and, and they were farmers. They were people that were so close to the land that even, you know, while working regular jobs, my grandfather was still um, coming home from, from, you know, regular weeks work and also kind of running quite a lot of, of, of natural projects on the land there in Northern Alabama. 
and um, I um, I just I grew up in that love of nature, and and my my mother's family too similar. My 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 mother's father was a man who liked to work with plants and flowers, and uh, my step grandmother is uh, someone who worked in herbalism. So I had all those influences, you know, that were kind of just a, a given, you know, as an adult. As an adult, I see them. As a kid, you know, they were just normal life. Um, I saw like my grandparents composting and doing things that I was taught were innovations later, you know. And um, so, yeah, so I grew up spending a lot of time very close to nature. And I already started when I was a kid, like, you know, I can remember six, seven years old, um, gathering plants and, and, and heating them up out in the, my grandparents' garage and um, trying to figure out their properties, you know, kind of just. And then on my mom's side, you know, there was always a little bit of psychoanalysis going on, you know, because that was part of, you know, the way my mom, mother was exposed to all that, right? And so, yeah, I think those are foundations. My father's also a very believing man a very deeply believing Christian man who believes strongly that the Holy Spirit can heal us. And I, you know, I grew up with that as also a given. So that's, that's kind of my, I guess, the foundation, I think, of, of you know, how I came to see these things as a norm. Um, and, um, yeah, and then as I got older, you know, it just, some of these things, you know, we don't think about them really. They just happen, you know. Certain things, you know, in dreams and things would prompt me. And I, I started doing a lot of hands-on healing with people, um, like in my late teens and 20s. Um, I lived in London in my early 20s and worked with a group of people doing a lot of hands-on healing every week. And um, just benefited a lot from that. And I started to have very strong intuitions about other people's emotions and wellness and started sharing it with them. And, you know, that's just progressed and, and it's popped up in different ways in life until, you know, I, I, I met one of my Sufi teachers um, in my late 20s who taught me a lot about healing in the Sufi tradition. Um, then you know, then where things really started to become the focus of my life slowly, um, I would say that starts kind of in my PhD period because, um, well, two types of traditional healing started to impact me really strongly. I ran a little bit of it through what I had learned through the Sufi tradition. That accelerated as I got used to, to experiencing other traditional healing modalities and you get a kind of a a sense for it you can smell it when, when you're in an environment that has a type of traditional healing and it, it popped up mostly I mean first I was having some personal difficulties that led me to contact somebody that you know very well Elena Avila um, I had read her book in my early 20s riding around on the underground which was the subway right in in London I was reading her book at like 20 21 years old when it first came out and then during my PhD, I, I was having these really unusual symptoms like um, waking up with a lot of energy in my body and a lot of anxiety. Um, I was living in the Netherlands out in the, um, kind of in the country where the campus was where I was studying. And I almost feel like the silence and the, the land 
really just woke something up in me that needed to be seen. And I started noticing that I was, it seemed to be coming, it was very physical, very visceral, and so strong that it would bring me up out of my sleep. And I suddenly thought, you know, I, I had the sense that these were like different childhood traumas that were causing this, that had been latent inside of me. And um, so what I did was I, I, I started remembering this book by this woman, Elena, and how she had really shown how in Mexico and the Southwest and Central America, there was real knowledge about how to heal traumas, um, both through things that were similar to modern talk therapy, but also through ceremony. Um, and I was actually doing my PhD in a program focused on the study of ritual at Tilburg University that you mentioned at the beginning. So I started working with her um, and at the same time, so I've had a lot of expo wide exposure. Um, at the same time, I was taken to South Africa. Um, this was totally unexpected. When I was accepted into this PhD program, they had a, um, a, a collaboration with the University of Bloemfontein, in, which is kind of in the center of South Africa near the nation of Lesotho. Um, there's the independent nation of Lesotho and that part of it within South Africa, but there's also that area, which is like traditional Lesotho land. And um, I was taken to some very intense ceremonies there. Um, and that accelerated a lot of what I was doing with Elena. Um, and I started having dreams that were bringing pieces of the puzzle together about like my childhood traumas after doing these ceremonies, which were out in nature in very beautiful places. Um, sacred lands uh, were taken to different areas. Like one type of sacred land had one quality, like a really intense, fierce quality. And another land would have a kind of a sweet, calming quality. And we'd, we'd go to the different places and meet the local people that have um, been caretakers of that land and healers on that land. I uh, came back, you know, kept working with Elena. Um, she really changed my life all the way up until she passed on in 2011. And then I guess, you know, we're always, there's always, it's always ongoing, it's always a process, but kind of the last part of my life, I guess, I would say, you know, is really when I started to um, meet the, the art and practice of family constellations, which really helps people to, to go into the core of, of their relational wounds, of how their wounds and difficulties in life come out of relationship to family and ancestors and others. And that I experienced while I was in Turkey. It's, um, it's a, uh, a modality that comes from Germany and a lot of people know there's been a lot of migration between Germany and Turkey. And so it's, it's practiced a lot in Turkey. Um, so I got very into it there and have studied with teachers there and in Mexico and in the United States. It's very, also a very popular modality in Mexico. And so I spend a lot of time coming out of that work, really doing really deep repair work with people, basically really deep work of, of repairing their relationship to life, really. Not just their relationship to their family and ancestors, but that's essentially work of relationship to life because that's where we get our life from, is our ancestors. 
So, um, so yeah, I guess that's, that's, you know, some of my background, there's more I could say, but you know, that's, I think that brings us pretty much up to the present. <laughs> it's almost 40 years of work, but. In a few minutes of talking. <laughs> In a few minutes, but yeah, it's an overview, let's say. I want to pick up on a few things um, over the course of this, this interview, things that, that you've mentioned kind of in passing. The first one is, you know, you, you spoke about family constellations, and I think a lot of our listeners probably don't have a clue of what that means. Right. Maybe to make it real, you could give us an example of somebody who you've seen. I mean, I don't know if you want to make this personal about yourself, but you could pick somebody um, that you've seen this process work on and okay. give us an idea of how it works. What, what is it that are the action steps that are done? Yeah, well, let me, let me, I'll, to think of an example would be interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll sit with that for a second. I'll tell you how it works in practice. Um, so what Bert Hellinger did, he, he studied a lot of different types of psychology. He also lived in South Africa, also to speak of South Africa, and was very much influenced by the way that people related to their family and ancestors there. And so he developed a process where what we do is we really physicalize, to put it in an interesting way, um, our relationships and our inner states. So um, one, our primary relationship of life is with our mother, because that's how we come into the world. So for example, many, many issues a person may present will be connected to issues they have with their mother because of the primal point of entry into the universe that the relationship with the mother is. So how do you work on that? Well, we work on it through what we call the knowing field, or we, we talk about it as phenomenology. And we bring someone to represent you and someone to represent your mother. A lot of times these are people that you've chosen to do this from a group that you're working with, similar to a type of group therapy. Um, and then what happens is those, those representatives will start to have certain sensations and experiences that are parallel to what's happened in your life. Um, and we don't know how that works. There's no way to pin it down. It's just a process that's been shown to work that, you know, Bert Hellinger started doing it in say the eighties, seventies, I'm not sure exactly when. And he noticed that it functioned and that's, that's phenomenology. That's just doing things based on how they appear and how they work. Um, so, uh, a story I've told about myself, it's a really simple one about how it's worked for me, um, is that, for example, after living in so many different countries for so much of my adult life and having moved around a lot as a kid, um, when I was living in Turkey, I hit a point of just like total disorientation. Like I was like, wow, I have no way to orient myself. I, I've, I've moved and had so many different types of relationships with so many different types of people in so many different places that I can't find myself. And uh, so she set up a few representations. And so we were working one-on-one, -on -one, me and this therapist. So in that case, there isn't a group, but you're doing the parts yourself. And so is the facilitator. And she set a chair for my dad at one part of the room. 
and I had had experiences of, of, of sitting in that place and connecting to my dad and my paternal ancestors and feeling this like immense strength that centuries of men had had um, to be able to keep their families and lives afloat, you know, in times that were not as easy as ours. And this time I came, I was, I was doing work with her. She was representing my mother. I had a, a, a place, you know, for my father with the chair. And I suddenly started just instinctively, and this is what happens in family constellation work. I started instinctively to just back up and back up and back up because you, in this kind of work, you're just going with what feels right. You're just checking how your body feels. You know, if someone standing in front of you represents your grandfather, how do you feel? Do you move towards them, away from them? Or does the person representing you move towards him, away from him? It's so simple, you know? And I felt this urge to move back towards my father. And I backed up and backed up and backed up. And then I sat down on the ground, just instinctively, down below my dad. So we're figuring he's being pictured as being in the seat, right? I sat down on the ground next to him. And this sense of wellness came over me that was so profound that when I came out of the session, I knew where my compass was. I knew where I belonged in the world because I was in right relationship to my father and therefore also to my ancestors. And, you know, if you cannot place yourself in relationship to the people that gave you life, it's hard to find your place in life. It's natural. It's obvious, but we don't think about it. You know, it takes people that dedicate their lives to this to, to show us these facts, right? And, um, and so many traditional cultures know this, right? So many traditional cultures know this. This is reintroduced to a lot of Western people through a modality, a new modality in quotes, right? But that, for example, changed my life. So I'm still moving. I'm still going all over the world. And I just don't have that kind of disorientation ever again, despite all the movement in my life. Um, and so, yeah, so that's an example of how the process is and what it feels like. Well, thank you for, for doing the autobiography of it. You're right. So, so there's an orienting process that goes along with that. So we are born into the world as a result of our parents and then right. this this reorients us to hopefully create better stability than we might have otherwise had have had yeah that's one one thing it can give you for sure now yeah. i'm i'm also thinking about what emerged in your discussion was the the importance of place yeah and there's a certain orientation that goes on through place as well. So could you kind of address what you think the relationship is between place and healing? Oh man, that's, <laughs> that's a huge one for me, Baba, because I've moved so much. Um, I would say, you know, for example, there is a certain relationship you have to a land that your family has lived on for centuries or your ancestors have lived on for centuries. Um, I was listening to Winona LaDuke talk today. I was, I was listening. I mean, people don't know about her. I mean, she's one of our most amazing native activists in the United States and an absolutely brilliant woman. And she was saying that Americans and Canadians are, are very much people who 
set down roots but then move on and are always going into greener pastures because of the history of settler colonialism and all that. And she was advising that people develop a lifestyle of being in one place and bonding with it because that that actually has a revolutionary power for our relationship to the environment. Because we stop that kind of pattern of trying to exploit and move on, exploit and move on, exploit and move on. And the, I find that very powerful. So one of the things we can do in constellation work is we can actually represent the land or lands, which is usually plural for most human beings, that you come from. And you can orient not only towards people and that relationship, but towards land. Like we often don't think about why do we say mother country or motherland? Some people say fatherland, it's a little unusual. The Germans say it, but it's not very common. Our, our land is our mother. So our relationship to land and to mother go together. Um, because in the same way that something comes from your mother's body that makes you you, our ability to live and exist comes in a sense from the body of our mother, the earth. So it's definitely connected and constellations have been shifting more and more where there's more of that, where people are not just looking at their family of origin, but their land of origin and the environment of origin. So it has the power to also heal people's relationship with the environment, which is totally urgent right now. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. That is yeah. a, that's a really succinct, excellent explanation of how, those two come together and i, I think that's uh, really profound we could we could have podcasts for the next month just, about <laughs> just on that topic exactly so <laughs> logan sparks i want to thank you for interview number one we have so much to talk about and you mentioned elena avila just in passing and we're going to have an entire episode coming up where we just talk about your work with her so Great. thank you for being here for our first segment we look forward to the next one. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.